It's the My Michelle Live podcast. Looking for the God story and news of the day. My Michelle Live news and views. Here's Michelle. Hey, thanks for joining in in this news and views broadcast. The Ukraine, they are fighting for their freedom. Interestingly enough, as we enter into the month of April, the 15th will mark Passover. It's a celebration, a festival, a Jewish festival of freedom. In fact, Passover is the oldest continuously observed religious ritual in the world. And it is truly a celebration of freedom. As told in the Bible, uh, after many, many decades of abuse and unbearable horrors, uh, the Egyptian pharaoh had the Israelites subjected to slavery. Passover marks the beginning of their ascent from slavery into freedom. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Freedom. It's something that the Ukrainians are fighting for. Grandmas with AK-47s. It's something that I'm not sure we appreciate in our society anymore. We're only too eager to hand over our freedoms. And and what is freedom anyway? Is it the freedom from, uh, from the Israelites, from Pharaoh's heavy hand, or is it a freedom too? Well, we'll be taking that on and we'll be doing it with a view from Jerusalem. And now a view from Jerusalem with Rabbi Adlerstein. Rabbi Yitzhak Adlerstein, he is a, a joy to have on our program. Monthly, we check in with the rabbi with a gorgeous view from Jerusalem, looking into issues and bringing in the God story. Rabbi, it's good to connect with you again. Likewise, and uh, I salute you for being so clever by sneaking in that one word that is really going to shape this segment, which is they began their ascent to freedom. And that's something that only believers can get. So everybody else, what do you mean? (laughs) They took off their shackles and they were out of there. So how can you be more free than that? But that's not the story that the Bible tells. That's not the story that the Bible tells. No, indeed. there. This is freedom in that story is, even though it's thousands of years ago, is so pertinent to our fight and hope for freedom today. As we live under oppression, whether it's political or it's the oppression of our, of our own choices, of our sin nature, it is not just a, I am free, I declare myself free. It's not like the Israelites said, you know what, enough of this slavery garbage, packed their bags, shook the hands of Pharaoh and said, okay, buddy, we're out. Good luck with that. You know, that's not how it took place rabbi right there there's so many indications of that bible first of all when when moses was arguing with god about accepting the mantle of leadership an argument which according to jewish tradition went on for seven days before god said enough is enough you're taking the job (laughs) um and moses still was asking for signs one of the signs was god said i'll give you a sign if you really want it not a miracle sign 
when you leave, you're going to serve me on this very mountain where you're standing right now. What do you mean? What kind of sign is that? If they're out, they're out. They cross the border. But they weren't really free until they came to Sinai to hear the word of God and for God to suggest to them, to demand of them how they were going to live their lives. Because freedom can be such a burden to people. Ooh. And, and uh, then again, we Passover is connected to another holiday. Seven days later, we have the holiday of Shavuot, what you, what you call Pentecost. It's the only holiday in the Bible that does not give a calendar date for its occurrence. It is seven weeks after Passover. It's as if the Passover begins something and it only ends seven weeks later. And indeed, they count the days from the second day of Passover to the 50th day, which is the holiday of Pentecost. They're counting towards something because they were readying themselves for the attaining of actual freedom. And that is something missed by so many people. We, we, have, we have a problem. We have a problem that, as Jean-Jacques Rousseau, the great French philosopher, put it, I have a quote here, liberty is a strong food, but it needs a stout digestion. Ooh. And people don't have enough antacid at home to, <laughs> to deal with freedom. For instance, on the one hand, we know that people don't like having too many choices and that it just confuses them. They want it simple because decision-making is hard. You need a stout digestion. And that means in so many cases, people are willing to give up their freedom to somebody who will make their decisions for them or to get it. No matter what they say, they value more than they value freedom, like authority. Yeah, you know, I'm free and I'm the best guy in the whole world, but my next door neighbor, I don't trust her with nothing. Who's going to protect me from him or her? I need a government. And then you wind up giving up so much of your freedom because you that's the only way that you feel that you can have a stable community submitting to the authority. To a certain extent, that's correct. But we don't even think about what we're sacrificing in the process. And then, on the other hand, what does it mean to be free? You know, Ukrainians know what it's like not to be free. But indications are that in Russia today, besides a, a number of very important people who've taken issue and stood up to the government, and we hope they haven't been permanently disappeared, the majority of Russians seem to think that what Putin is doing is a good thing. How did that come about? It really wasn't the case under communism. They knew they weren't free. But now, maybe looking at the past, they think we have a stable government and we have a capitalist society. Things are great relative to the past. Okay, we have this authoritarian guy over there, but we're going to agree with the, with the rhetoric you're hearing from the government because that may mean, oh, I got to do something. We got to overthrow this guy. We got to we got to do something about it and create a different kind of government. The regime change or something like that's too painful. Uh -huh. So we'd rather not those things. And what about people who are captive not to their governments, but they're captive to their culture, mm -hmm. to their culture? And go. I just saw a reference today 
on a, on a, on a Christian site about, um, um, I think, uh, what's her name? Um, her first name, Perry. Uh, Katy Perry, who, perhaps? Katy Perry, the singer? Katy Perry, that's it, Katy Perry. So she, she was giving kudos to a particular Christian singer and urging him to, to do a song about, about um, his gay experiences. And uh, he said, in, in turn, that, you know, there, there are some things that are very important to him. And one of them is using foul language. And his parents, who were devout Christians, couldn't stand it. They couldn't take it. And he said, but it's one of the few things in life that really gives me pleasure. So I have to do it. Now, how many people think in, in similar terms and don't quite come out and say it? I want to do it. Therefore, it's good. Therefore, it's okay. Therefore, I have no choice. Uh, Will Smith came, had, had spoken to him before and said, you know, this is your moment, the first time you're going to get an Oscar. It's times like this, you got to worry about, about Satan coming in. And, and it was a great message to him. But Will used it in a different direction. He said, I have no choice. <laughs> the devil made me do it. And apologize a day later but that that means sacrificing your freedom to things within if i'm held captive to my own desires to my own personality and the quirks therein if i can admit them sometimes to my genes sometimes to my childhood how many people go through life life and say that's the way my parents brought me up i'm i'm a victim and never do anything about it and see themselves as that's who i am but they're captive. Are they really free? Well, that's a good question, Rabbi, because what you're citing is, am I free to do whatever I want? Am I free to, that's what freedom is in the minds of many. This is freedom. I am free to swear whenever I want to. I'm a free to give in to whatever desires. That's freedom to some. But in reality, I don't think they're seeing that they're still captive. They're still back under Pharaoh because they are captive to those desires am i free to do what i want or am i free from from having to do what i want free to be able to make better decisions we know from the biblical account rabbi that many of the israelites they weren't all king on yes let's get out of here we're moving on god's setting us free a lot of people were saying well you know they feed us here you know, we, we have, we have homes, you know, I mean, you know, okay. Yeah. We're slaves. Yeah. All right. Maybe that's not the highest on the ranks of societal, uh, echelons. Okay. But you know, it's not so bad. And what do we have out there? We're going to wander in the desert for 40 years. I'm not so keen on that. So there were people who weren't willing to walk in freedom. They were okay being captive and, I think in our society, as you mentioned, being slaves to our society, slaves to um, pop culture, slaves to our own desires, we are blinded to to where we're at and to freedom, true freedom, to choose something better, like the Israelites, a true freedom to have something better. And, and it didn't come in an instant, in some, in some epiphany, in a moment of, of inspiration. 
seven days after they left Egypt, their backs are up against the sea, and they're saying to Moses, why did we need to leave? We're going to die here. We should have stayed back and made peace with them. After all, the Egyptian Supreme Court just announced a landmark decision that we're all free. We don't have to work for them anymore. They have new respect for us now. We did 10 plagues. Why can't we go back there? Where are we following you to some who knows where place? And they had to, they had to cross the Reed Sea. As we say, the, 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 the Jews were taken out of Egypt on Passover, but it took the seven days later, the Reed Sea, to take the Egypt out of the Jews. And <laughs> it took another six weeks and as you said, and then another 40 years before they got used to the idea, even after hearing God's word, it wasn't, hey, this suit works really well. I like it. I'll put it on and now I'm a new person. It doesn't work that way. Freedom has to be cultivated. It has to be appreciated. It requires the stout digestion, but most of all, it requires something outside of ourselves to point out to ourselves the things that hold us captive. There's a line in the Bible in Hebrew talking about the Torah, uh, talking about the, the, ten, the tablets of the Ten Commandments. It calls them chorus al-haluchos, which means engraved on the tablets. The word engraved is also the same word, just different vowels for chorus, for freedom. And the rabbis of the Talmud say, don't read it as engraved, but as freedom, because the only person who's truly free is one who can live by God's dictates. Those aren't things hemming us in, telling us what we can't do. Those are things allowing for our true core selves to emerge and to be able to, to, be able to act freely, unburdened with some of the things that, that come to us from a time even before we're, we're conscious and certainly before we're mature. And they give us the the, the, the energy and the push and the motivation to make ourselves better people, which usually implies getting rid of some of those things that, that enslave us. Cue the music. Right on cue. I like that. <laughs> Rabbi, it, having that understanding of what we're truly enslaved in. I, I like the uh, analogy that you give as, as though you can take the slave out of Egypt, but you but can you take the slavery out of the Egyptians or, or the Israel? So you can take the, the Israelites out of slavery, but can you take the slavery out of the Israelites? Uh, and that works w- well with us, but it's hard for us to wrap our head around because it's, backwards thinking to our cultural norm. Does that make sense? Sure. We, we're, we're, we're constantly bombarded and more recently even manipulated mm. into thinking and acting in given ways, sometimes by people who have power interests, sometimes commercial interests, and sometimes just the, this overwhelming sense of having to go along with the majority. We are societal animals. We don't live as individuals. So that that surround affects us powerfully. And unless we can step back from ourselves, unless we can gain objectivity, so much of the Torah, so much of the Bible is about being objective, about being able to stand back from oneself and say, hey, wait a second, where did this come from? Where's that voice coming from? How complex is it? What is it? How does it relate to other things within me? 
and then having the freedom to make choices. And as I said, choices are difficult. You, you remember the story of the Grand Inquisitor? Yes, I, I do from uh, from college days. And, <laughs> and uh, then this conversation brought it back to, to my knowledge. So the, the, the premise of it, it's a novel within a novel. It's, um, a, it's about 22 pages, something like that, in the Brothers Karamazov one of Dostoevsky's uh, real classics. Dostoevsky is one of my favorite Russian anti-Semites. Uh, he's a brilliant, a brilliant writer, passionately hated Jews, published even a volume of anti-Semitic poetry at his own, at his own expense. But he is a great storyteller. And the, the premise here is that in medieval Spain, I think of the 13th century, in the time of the Inquisition, a, uh, Jesus shows up. He walks into town, and the inquisitor has him arrested. And uh, cancel culture that, in in play right there. <laughs> and he, he tells him that he's going to have to execute him. And he then goes off in a long soliloquy about why it is that he's going to have to be executed. So he said, "Jesus, you know." We've done a lot of good in your name, but you got it all wrong. You got it all wrong. And we're not going to allow you to come back and misguide these people into thinking that human freedom is the most important thing. You know, in your in your three temptations, you you got them wrong three times out of three. You know, you you should have you should have agreed to make bread for them because when you make bread for people, when you feed people, when you feed when you give people security about their most basic needs, that's how you get them. What's so hard to believe about that? You allow people to be free. You're never going to be able to control them. And we, the church, we've done that. And then he goes on with the other two as well. There's, there's some real money quotes there, but he essentially says that uh, if you, if you really want to be able to converse with the masses you have to give them less freedom, not more freedom. Because they become they become uh, reliant on you. They need you. I think, if I remember correctly, one of the one of the money quotes, as you say, from from this piece that has stuck with me is: "For never was there anything more unbearable to the human race than personal freedom." Think of that. We we think of ourselves as I'm free. I'm free. But are we truly? And, and what does free freedom does come with a price and freedom is messy and it's dangerous. And by God, it's offensive because then you have freedom, too. I mean, I'm OK with my personal freedom and my personal choices, but not so much as you alliter- as you alluded to earlier with yours, Rabbi. No offense. You know, I love you greatly. We've become friends over the years, but your personal freedom kind of offends mine and sometimes your personal freedom of speech offends me it makes me uncomfortable because you don't oh i know we believe in god but you don't always believe the way i do it's quite offensive so my freedom is good yours not so much yep and don't we see so much of that in the United States today with two 
warring camps, each side thinking that, you know, the other side is an absolute threat and we have to suppress them. We don't just disagree, we're going to cancel them or, or, or suppress them or worse, we'll put them down with, with, with violence. Yes, uh, put them down with violence. And that's where we've become. And then we see it played out on a larger stage with what's happening in the Ukraine. Uh, We're seeing, okay, well, big country, go after small country, small country say no, thank you. And again, it's, it's, it's just a larger stage. The principles of freedom haven't changed in thousands of years from the story that we saw in the Passover, oppressive uh, oppressor that we give into and we become comfortable with our oppressor. You know, that's what I forget the syndrome that, that that's linked to, but we become comfortable with our oppressor we we see we we see them as taking care of us and providing for us even in abusive situations we can do that what is it about the human nature that actually allows for us to trade freedom for security as one of our founding fathers say if you trade freedom for security you deserve neither what is it it's, uh, it's again the uh, the I think everything that we've been talking about before that that freedom is having to make decisions, having to exercise responsibility, go. and In that's a a, and that's a big burden. And I would add one thing: as long as we're pushing it uh, from a traditional Orthodox Jewish standpoint, the the most difficult part of freedom to contend with is the fact that we are not perfect human beings and we know that God expects more of us. And that means having to do hard work in reshaping our personalities, everyone. No one is born to be a righteous person. No one is born to be a righteous person. If you want to be righteous, you have to work at it. It's not enough to say, well, I commit myself to God's side rather than Satan's side. That's a very valuable commitment, but that's when the work starts. And um, the, the, the great Musser teachers, Musser is a Hebrew word that, that sort of means chastisement, but it means far more than that. It means intensive personality work, working to change your character. And they said, it's, it's easier to learn shelves of books than to change one character flaw that we have. And don't those character flaws get in the way of us all of the time? in our relationships with with others, with spouses, with children, and even with ourselves. And that that's the work that God demands of us. And that that's the hardest of all, especially in a society which pushes autonomy so much, where mm-hmm. the most important, the center, center of every person's universe is his or herself. Mm-hmm. And when we're God-centered, it makes it much, much easier. It doesn't doesn't make the work any easier, but it makes it so much easier to motivate ourselves to make the changes within us to become more God-like. God is a loving God, and he, he wants us all to share the best kind of eternity, but he can only do that, as it were, by us being becoming more like him, by having a relationship with him. And the most important part of that is changing our internal chemistry to become more godlike, not to go to church or synagogue, not to 
perform 613 commandments even. It's to make the internal changes to become more godlike. That's not a burden that people want to share. I know this is outside of everything else that we've spoken about, but as you say, we tell the God story here, and I, I, I just got to get that in. That's the most important thing in this time that everybody's looking to Zelensky, as they should, as the hero of freedom and liberty, and he is a hero. But this is a great time to ask ourselves, what does it really mean to be free? Are we are we are we are we encouraging our children to be free or just to take opportunistically from what is out there, the, the, the parameters of which are not defined by ourselves as parents, but by lots of other forces? Are, are, we, are we free? Are we giving our kids freedom when we give them unlimited time or even too much time in front of their devices where they can take in all kinds of stuff coming in to those things that we exercise no control over at all. Is that giving them freedom or training them to become brainwashed monkeys? Oof. Then, <clears throat> Rabbi, how would you, in a nutshell, define what real biblical or God-given freedom should look like in this era of hazy definitions and uh, and motivation that comes from how do I feel? If I feel it, then it is so. What does the Bible give us as guidelines for true freedom? Well, the Bible, first of all, tells us that restraint is important. Restraint is not a burden imposed by evil outside forces. Restraint is something that allows us to be free because when we're unrestrained, when we give in to what we want and, and whether it's the spur of the moment or something that comes from a deeper place, that's not necessarily so good. We're not really free. We are captive to our, to our genes, to our upbringing, to our environment. That's not freedom. Freedom ultimately is the ability to become more godlike. Sorry, that's precise and hazy. I love at the that. Same. I love. No, 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 no. I totally it's, love that. It's 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 simple. How to be? It's how we were created. If a lot of thought, a lot of, a lot of work. If but, we were created in God's image, then that would be what true freedom would be—to be what we were created to be to and be. function in that regard. Uh, we think of the some of the latest gobbledygook from a messed up worldview. And we say this almost every show, check your worldview. If your worldview has hiccups and contradictions and hypocrisy, you got to go back and go, okay, there's something wrong here. And I would argue that a true biblical worldview brings the most liberty, brings the most uh, relief, brings the most hope and has the most consistency, uh, a very sad uh, example is of late the debate over pedophilia uh, that some are saying, well, people who are pedophiles, they were born that way. And we heard that argument with uh, anything pertaining to LGBTQXYZ that uh, you're born that way. So you have to be free to act that way. You need to be free to mutilate your body, to align with those feelings. So when you come to something like pedophilia, historically, I think we've all argue, been able to be on the side that, no, that the 
the act that results is not okay to abuse. It's an abuse to children. But when you have a worldview that says, well, I was born this way, I should be able to, it, it messes with your mind. And then suddenly, you know, people's, people's heads are exploding because they're, it's like, what, how does this work? And so that's where you have that example of, no, it's not about being free to do whatever I feel that I want to do. Uh, what it is, is exactly what you said, Rabbi. That just jazzes me. I want a t-shirt that says that. You know, what, what real freedom is, is uh, the freedom to become more like God. It's that, that, oh. And as usual, we get our guidance, not from you or me, or at least not from me, but from, from the word of God himself, from scripture, when we read it a little bit more deeply. Look, I am an Orthodox Jew, so I'm committed to the idea that living by the 613 commandments is not something God asked the entire world to do. But what I think that God did ask the entire world to do is to read them for the universal messages, which are all which are always there. And one of those messages is exactly what you were driving at for, that freedom is not is not just, I can do whatever I want if I'm not harming somebody else, which is the contemporary definition of, of freedom in large parts of America today, maybe even the majority. Freedom means you have responsibility not only to the next person not to harm them, but you can't harm yourself as well. When you look at those commandments, which again, I'm not pushing them. I don't think that non-Jews should be practicing them. But the ethos is, when you look at them, you see some that have to do with the connection between man and man, some with the connection, the relationship between man and God, and many of them have to do with a person's relationship to his or herself. A person has responsibility, and you put it beautifully. The responsibility is to max out on the image of God. That means understanding more of what God is and what isn't, what God isn't, and taking the steps. What is it that I can do to become closer to him, to become more like him? Not just to evade purgatory, but to become more godlike. He doesn't expect me to do it overnight or even in a lifetime, but I can move closer to it. That's what life is about. And walking in that kind of light brings such an inter an inner joy it, it a connection like nothing you've ever experienced and there is not a fulfillment of temporary pleasure that could replace that kind of god joy that just washes over you even in the midst of upheaval or political unrest or pandemics and and the like uh, even when your own personal world falls apart and and heart-wrenching things happen that kind of connection and inner joy is something that just isn't shaken because it's something that's built on the eternal freedom that comes in God and that's the bigger lesson today and that I can get jazzed about I mean we've talked about disturbing things on this program today and yet we're leaving and wrapping up this conversation with a glorious message of hope Rabbi I want to give you the final word that's important to, to realize as a beautiful summary Michelle as always uh, one thing that 
that should give us some help in the journey besides that summary is, as they say in AA, you don't have to do it alone. That means not only do you have God on your side, and by praying to God and asking him for the assistance, you have that working for you, but you have people as well. People shouldn't try this journey on their own. They need good friends, people who believe in the same in the same goals. They need community of like-minded people who are also devoted to God. To search those people out, to make them the heroes, to make them the confidence and friends and spouses. Thank you so much, Rabbi. It is always a joy. It is always a pleasure. And thank you for being part of the broadcast today. Remember, this message of hope, this God story, it's important. So like us, share us, and make sure that you let people know that you are part of the fun that goes on here, part of the God story. Thank you. For more fun, go to MyMichelleLive.com.